Gospels, would you turn to the book of Genesis chapter 41? Bring your Bibles with you. If you don't have one, we'll get one to you. But if you have a Bible with you this morning, either electronic or in print form, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 41. The man named Joseph had been in an Egyptian prison for a very long time. We call the man named Joseph the dreamer because 13 years before what we'll look at this morning, 13 years before that event, God gave Joseph a dream. Joseph dreamed, in short, he dreamed that his family, his family, his large family, would one day bow before him, and really beyond that, no other details were given, the, the when, the why, uh, the, the where, or the how. Just that at some point in the future, his family was going, that was the dream that God gave him. It wasn't a man dream, it was a God-given dream. The Bible records how when his brothers heard about this dream, when they found out that his brother, their brother, assumed that they were going to bow down to him, the Bible says they became very angry and very jealous. That, to some degree, is is understandable. What's not understandable is they became so angry and so jealous that they sold him, the Bible says, they sold him into slavery, into Egypt. So, because Joseph is in jail, he's in prison, they had a part, his brothers had a part in that. Some years before, had they not sold him into slavery, he would have never been in jail. Later, the man who bought Joseph as a slave, his name was Potiphar. We looked at his story, some, or his part of the story, some weeks ago, and the man named Potiphar, uh, the man who bought him as a slave, he had a wife Her name is never given, but the Bible tells us that she repeatedly attempted to seduce Joseph. It also records how Joseph repeatedly refused her advances, and because of it, she accused him of attempted rape. And so she, Mrs. Potiphar, uh, she certainly had a key part in him being in that Egyptian prison. Joseph remained in prison, we know, for two additional years. We looked at this part of the story last week. Joseph remained in prison for an additional two years in part because there was a man that that Joseph had asked to help him once he got out of jail who promptly then forgot about him. But God had not forgotten Joseph. And really, that's a theme that we see throughout this entire story. We've been looking at this for some weeks now. Maybe you've been with us. By the way, if you, if you did miss some of it, you can go back onto the website and hear some of the, the back sermons, uh, messages to this. But we've been looking at this story, and one of the themes that runs through it is that God did not forget Joseph. God was with him every step of the way. He, again and again, it says, and Joseph had favor with God, had favor with the Lord. And so God did not, even though he's in this really dark and difficult place, God had not forgotten him. And another, and another theme that we have seen throughout this is that, that, that God shapes both dreamers and dreams in some of the hardest and most difficult places as they go through life. Some of you can relate to that, and a lot of you have come up to me and shared with me that this really resonates with your story because you have seen how in some of the darkest and most difficult times is when God shaped you the most. 
It's, it's through those, those challenges that we have in our, in, our, in our personal lives, in our business lives, in our, in our communities, in our, in our world events. When we go through those difficult times, God has a way of shaping us, and, and he was doing that. God, God prepares both dreamers and the dream in difficult places. Last week we saw how even with that extended stay prison, it was an additional two years, we saw how, how really it was more than just somebody forgetting about him, it was, it, was, it was also a divine delay. It was one of those occasions where God says, um, your time frame is not my time frame and I'm going to extend this a little bit longer because I have a greater purpose in it. God was in that divine delay getting both Joseph ready and also the people that other people who were on the other side of the dream, he was getting them ready. So in Genesis chapter 41, Joseph was about to leave prison. In fact, Pastor Ben um, this last week said he was going to start a campaign, uh, a free Joseph campaign, because he was wondering when, we were, when he was going to get out of prison through this whole series. Well, today's the day. In Genesis 41, he is about to leave prison prison and how he it's interesting that how he left also began with a dream your bibles you have them in front of you genesis 41 verse 1 reads this way pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the nile river now this is the king this is the most important and and or the most powerful person earthly power in the kingdom he's the top man Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile River, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. Behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. It was one of those dreams, however, where you surface and then you go back down. Because verse 8 says, and he fell asleep and he dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears of grain swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, verse 8 is very interesting. Verse 8 says, so in the morning, his spirit was troubled. Now, just pause there for a moment. That's the first part of verse 8. So understand what's happened here. He's had these, actually, two dreams. He surfaced briefly, then went back in and had a very similar to it second dream. And it says here that when he awoke in the morning, his spirit was troubled. This was not a dream that came about from bad food or a slight fever. This was, this was a deeper thing. This was something that he could not shake. And maybe you've had a dream like that. Maybe there's something that has disturbed you in the middle of the night. Let me just add this. This is relating to us, not to Joseph or Pharaoh. But, but do you know that God can speak to us in our sleep? Do you know that while we're slumbering, while we're somewhat unconscious, uh, that is not off limits to God? And God can speak to us, sometimes he can encourage us, and sometimes he can trouble us. In this case, he troubled him, he, he, he stirred him up. God has the ability to do that. And I wonder how many times has God wanted to get a hold of somebody and the only time that, that, that he can do so is in, in the middle of their sleep. Do 
here's the full verse. So in the morning his spirit was troubled and he sent and he called for all of the magicians of Egypt and all of its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. You, you might say that all of, the, all of the king's magicians and all of his wise men couldn't bring peace to his heart again. <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Here's this man who is troubled in spirit, and he's looking, he's, he's a little bit desperate. This is so powerful. He woke up with such a troubled spirit, and he knew that it meant something, but he, he couldn't find someone who could explain what it meant. Verse 9, Joseph's former cellmate, the guy that we looked at last week, the man who forgot about Joseph once he was out, the Bible says he, he suddenly remembered. Now, now it, a moment ago, I said that God can, God can trouble a spirit, can, can stir someone, but, but do you know that God can also, in the right time, bring to someone's memory something that had long been forgotten? And, and I say this because I, I see God, even though he's not the, he, he's, 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 you, you can't see him, of course. God is, is not like that. You, you can't see him operating in or, or, or doing things uh, uh, necessarily supernaturally, but they are supernatural, but just in a subtle way. And you see God working this situation all the way through. The cupbearer, the, the cupbearer to the king, told Pharaoh this in verse 12. He said, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, He's reflecting back now two years earlier. He said, when we told him our dreams, he interpreted our dreams to us, and he gave us an interpretation to each man according to his dream. Verse 13, and as he interpreted to us, so it came about. In other words, it happened. I was restored to my office as the dream foretold, and the baker, the guy who's in prison with me, was hanged. In other words, he's saying here, I know somebody who can help out. I know because he did it to us. He interpreted dreams to us that we could not, we could not decipher. Now, that brings us to verse 14. And, and verse 14 is a major turning point in Joseph's life. And I want you to see this verse. It's a very, very important verse. It was a day, it marked a day, verse 14 marks a day that Joseph would always remember that he could not forget the rest of his life. Verse 14 reads this way. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he wanted to look good, of course, he came in before Pharaoh. Now, I want you to see this verse, and, and, and even perhaps mark it in your Bible, because that verse 14 is so, so significant. It says, he was quickly taken out, or quickly removed, quickly brought out of prison. He was brought, the words used here are he was brought out of the pit. I want you to notice those words, quickly and out of the pit. Quickly and out of the pit. Now, now we know this, we know this from a verse a little bit later on in this chapter that he was 30 years old when this happened and he was 17 years old when the dream was given. Do the simple math and that's 13 years from the time that the dream was given until the time that he's released from prison. 13 years, he was either a slave or a prisoner. 13 years is a, is a very, very long time. But, but on the day that is marked by Genesis 41, verse 14, it says he was quickly removed from, out of, 
the pit. And, and, and I want you to also notice that the former cellmate, now the cupbearer to the king, it, it, again, it says that he remembered Joseph, but I want you to understand he didn't free Joseph. I don't know if he later took credit and said, hey, you know, I'm the guy who remembered you. <laughs> to which Joseph could have responded, hey, you're the guy who forgot about me for two years. But it wasn't. The cupbearer did not, he, he, he remembered Joseph, but he didn't free Joseph. Pharaoh, and you see it here, Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, but Pharaoh didn't free Joseph. The, the palace guards that were directed by Pharaoh, the palace guards went down to the cells and, and they, I don't know if they had keys or they, did, they opened the doors. They, they, they did all of that and they brought him in, but it wasn't the palace guards who freed Joseph. Because when you look at the entire text, when you look at this entire narrative that covers about 10 or 11 chapters of Joseph, you know that it is God who is doing the work. Read the whole story and you just know it was God who set Joseph free. And that's very important. It wasn't the cupbearer or the palace guards or even Pharaoh. They did not set Joseph free. It was God who was working beyond them, beyond these persons, these different persons. It was God who set this man free. And here's the thing. He would never be the same again. That's why verse 14 is so important. Joseph would never be the same again from that day forward. I don't know the date. I only know the verse, and that's why I point it out. But from that day forward, Joseph would never again be called a slave from that day forward, Joseph would never again be called a prisoner. Think about that. For 13 years, his identity has been wrapped up in, oh, you're the slave, Joseph. Or you're the, the prisoner, Joseph. That has been his identity. That has been his reality for a very, very long time. That's how people knew him. Slave Joseph, prisoner Joseph. But from this day forward, now he, he has not yet received the, the authority that he would shortly. That'll come. But he will never again serve another night as a slave or another day as a prisoner. Because God set him free. Because God set him free. I love the unity and the symmetry of the Word of God. I, I, words fail me when I try to describe just how much I value this Word, how much I value the, the, the Word of God. I love its symmetry. It is, it is perfectly balanced. By that, I mean that there is one central person in this book. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything before him points to him, and everything after him points back to him. Jesus is the center of the book. It's perfectly symmetrical. It has a unity throughout this. In other words, even all the way here at the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, literally called the book of beginnings, it has, even here we see this, this powerful unity, and the unity is it's always pointing to Jesus. And we have here a, 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 a classic example, we have here a classic example of how uh, a, a, an event that happened, what, about 1900 years before Jesus points to Jesus. 
as I was studying this text again, and I actually start on these many weeks in advance, and so as I've been going over this text again and again and again and just praying over it and studying it and, and drilling down into it, as, I have, uh, as I've been studying this text, I, two verses came to my mind as I read this portion. Two verses came to my mind. Uh, the first is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where it says that, that Jesus Christ chose us and, and that he saved us so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I thought of that verse because really, in, in a very graphic sense, that's what happened to Joseph. Here he is, he wakes up, it's another day, we don't know how many days, there's a lot of little X's scratched on the wall, I'm pretty sure, for Joseph. He's been there for a very, very long time. To him, it's just another day, just get up and do his, his jail thing. He had a supervisory role within the jail, but, but he didn't realize that today was the day, and he goes from the darkness of that prison to the light, the relative light of the king's presence. I mean, you talk about extremes, going from one extreme to the other in a very short time because, again, it says he quickly was removed from the pit. He was quickly removed from the pit. So, again, the verse says there from 1 Peter that we may proclaim the excellencies of him, that is Jesus, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, I point to Jesus because our king, our king, the king of kings, died on a cross and made it possible to remove us from spiritual darkness and hopelessness and despair and from the lockdown of sin and transfer us into his marvelous light. Praise God. You think about that. This is the Savior that we serve. You know, I look at this text here, this little verse 14, I want you to know that what God did for Joseph, God through his son still does today. Because the Bible also says in John chapter 8 verse 36, Jesus said of himself, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Somebody say amen. That's a powerful truth. Jesus declared that. We, we actually sang that this morning. I didn't know we were going to sing that song until earlier today, but, but, but we sang that very central truth. So if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. If the Son, I'm going to paraphrase, if the Son comes to you in the pit and sets you into His presence, then let me tell you something, you are free indeed. And what used to define us the, 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 the darkness of that, of that previous life, the darkness of that slavery, the darkness of that prison no longer defines us today. Why? Because we have been set free by the Son, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. See, Jesus still brings people quickly out of pits of every kind. Let me say that again. Jesus still brings people quickly out of pits of every kind. It happened to me, and it's happened to so many of you. I hope we don't live so long that, that we forget how it was to feel. Do you remember, by the way? Do you remember, by the way? Do you remember how it was to be in that place of spiritual darkness, and then he takes you from that darkness into spiritual light? Do you remember that? Do you remember how good it felt? Do you remember that it, the contrast was almost overwhelming? 
How is it that I can go from such, from such servitude, to, from, such, from such lockdown prison, spiritually speaking, into absolute freedom? How is it that that can happen? Because he whom the Son, she whom the person the Son sets free is free indeed. Before we're done this morning, before we leave this place this morning, if you're in a dark place, if you are a prisoner to something, you will have an opportunity to experience true freedom in Jesus Christ. Because what God did to Joseph, God does today. So Joseph, all nice and clean, says he shaved and probably got a haircut and maybe even shaved his head. That's kind of what they did back then. And he puts on clean clothes. They're not necessarily royal clothes, not yet, um, but, but he's put on clean clothes. He's standing before Pharaoh, and verse 15 reads this way. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. The king's speaking to him. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give, Joseph, excuse me, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh then proceeded to tell Joseph the dream that we read just a few moments ago. And in verse, beginning in verse 25, Joseph gave, by the way, an immediate interpretation. That's, that's important. Verse 25, Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears of grain are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. What he's basically saying here is that, that you're going to have 14 years, and he's giving him the crop conditions for the next 14 years. And he says the, the, the first seven years are going to be magnificent, but the next seven years that follow it are going to be so deplorable that you're going to forget just how good the, the first seven years were. It's, it's going to be that bad. Verse 31, the famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream, in other words, the fact that you had two dreams, means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Now, as this narrative, by the way, you need to understand the time frame here. This narrative happened in about the same amount of time that it took us to read this, just, just a few minutes. In other words, the, the time between Joseph's arrival, cleaned up, shaved, and all proper looking, the, the time that it took for him to show up and hear the dream from Pharaoh, and then interpret the dream is really just a few minutes. All of this, I point that out because all of this was new information to Joseph. He didn't know about it a half hour before. He could not have prepared his thoughts earlier that day or the night before in the cell. Why? Because Pharaoh just had the dream the night before. 
He couldn't rehearse his responses. He couldn't, you know, formulate some kind of a good response and tell him, well, this is what it means and make it sound convincing. While Joseph did not know the mind of Pharaoh, he did have a heart for God, and that is what made the difference because God immediately gave Joseph the interpretation. That's significant because here, all of a sudden, he's in this very difficult place. He's in this, this, this uh, uh, stressful situation, although he's used to stress. He's been in prison or a slave for 13 years, but he's suddenly forced into this position, and God immediately drops it into his mind, into his heart, what this bizarre dream meant. And I want you to notice, please, that God not only gave Joseph the immediate interpretation, he also gave him a plan. Look at verse 33. Now, therefore, now, now let me just pause. By the way, he He's done interpreting the dreams. Mission accomplished. As far as, as, far as uh, Joseph is concerned, he's done. He's done what he was asked to do. But he, but he goes a step further. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. Now, this is different. This is not interpreting the dream. This is not looking what happened just a few hours before, the night before. Now he's looking ahead 14 years. He says, now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. Set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities. Let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Now, now remember, remember. Now, so here it is. That he gave the interpretation and now he gives him something entirely different. Let's step back 13 years. Do you remember the, the dream that God gave him? The dream that God gave him? No details. No explanation. No sense of understanding what it meant. The dream was simply his family bowing down to him. No details. Notice that. No details. But the plans of God, given here, the plans had details. The plans had amazing details. Basically, four points. Here they are. Number one, Joseph. In in a moment, he gave them to them. He gave this to Joseph. In a moment, number one, appoint a discerning person over the main project. Number two, appoint overseers for smaller projects. Number three, for seven years, save 20% of every year's produce. And number four, store the food in secure cities under armed armed guards. This shows us that God not only gives dreams, but God also gives plans. That's significant. God can not only give dreams, but God can also give plans. Thank God for the dreams that he gives us. As I've shared with you over these number of weeks, I believe that God still gives people dreams. He's planted some things in your heart. He's planted some things in your heart, things that you you just know that I I must do this. I must become this. I must must accomplish this. And and as as I've shared before, it it will almost always (coughs) involve someone more than just you because God's, God's, 
When God gives a dream, it doesn't involve just you, it involves people beyond you. Maybe your immediate family, maybe your community or your church, or maybe an entire nation, maybe even something that will affect the world. But that's what, that's what God does. When God gives a dream, it's never about one person, it's always about a number of people. In this case, it was the Jewish people, ultimately. And we'll see that in weeks to come. But God not only gives dreams, he also gives plans. He not only puts it into the heart of what to do, but then he also shows us at the right time how to do it. And he speaks things into our hearts. He, I, there, there's a part of me that would wish that he would give us the plans earlier on, but, but remember, what is God doing here? God is not only preparing the dream, he's also preparing the dreamer. If God would have given him the plans, the same time he gave him the dream, it would have destroyed him. But God gave him the plans at the right time in a very, very clear way. God not only gives dreams, but God also gives plans. Now, I'm done with chapter 41 for right now. Let's talk about the chapter in your life, the present chapter. Don't shout it out, don't raise your hands, just in your mind, what has God called you to do? What has he put in your heart to do or to become? Will you trust him with that and say, Lord, I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. But I trust you that if you're calling me to do it, then without details, I will do what you've called me to do. Without any explanation of when or how or where, I'm going to trust you, understanding that in the meantime, while this is happening, you are also going to be preparing the dreamer. But this morning, I also want you to know that at the right time, God's going to give you some plans. How difficult it must have been for Joseph to lay these things out and it's, it's bold. Just a few hours before, he was a prisoner in the king's prison. Now he's standing before the most powerful man in the world, in, or in that part of the world at that time, and he's saying, here's what you must do. You know how he could do that? Because he knew that God had spoken to him. He didn't rehearse this. He didn't plan it. In fact, I don't even want to give Joseph too much credit. It was God, but it was God speaking through his servant. And there's some of you that God is going to give or has given some plans. Not just a dream, but he's he's given you some plans. And, And how do you do it? You know what? It may take 14 years. It may take longer. It may take shorter. I don't know. But I know this. God gives dreams and God gives plans. Will you be faithful with both? Will you be faithful with both? Some of you are younger. You have more years ahead of you than behind you. God's putting some dreams into your heart. Some of you have some years on you. And the dream, you're, you're being faithful with it. You've not traded it for some other foolish thing. You remember Joseph could have traded his dream at any point along the way. 
He could have given up on it. He could have given in to bitterness or he could have given in to lust. He could have given in to some temptation. He could have, he could have just, just given up because of the long time that it was taking. But he didn't. And some of you are there. And you're wondering when the dream's going to come, when it's going to happen. Why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? And my challenge to you is just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Keep trusting God. It's going to be there. You, you, you can't quit. Don't trade it. And some of you have been given some plans. You're saying, man, it's bold. It's, it's big. It's bold. It's, 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 this is almost beyond me. Listen, just, just trust him with each step of the plan and he'll, he'll make it happen. But I want to pray with you this morning. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray for you and the, the plans that God has for you, whatever that might be. But before we do that, I shared earlier how, how God, in His great mercy and His great plan, brought someone out of the pit quickly and how God can change us. Before we proceed any further, I would like you to do this. Would you bow your heads with me, please? And, and I, I want to give a very, very clear invitation. If this morning... You don't know if you are God's. You know of God, you believe in God, but you just don't know. And, 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 and you don't know if, if you were to die today, if you would go to be with him. I'm simply asking you, do you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ in such a way that you know that if you were to die in the next moment, that you would go to be with him? If you do not, if you do not know or if you are not sure, I want to pray with you this morning. And I believe that what God did then in a very graphic way, taking Joseph out of the pit quickly, God can do for you. So before we go any further, is there anyone here that would just, with uh, two things, raise up your hands so that I can identify you in this, in this room, and then also just lift up your eyes and catch my eye and so that you can see me looking at you, and I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here that would say, yeah, that's me, and I, I, I want to pray, and I want, I want God to do a spiritual transformation in me? Is there anyone here? And now again, with, with no one looking around, I'm, I want to pray for those of you who, who may... Uh, God has spoken to some things to you and you're either have a few of the plans or you need plans. Uh, it may be something in your job, your business, uh, your home, your finances. It may be something relational or vocational. It may be locational. Uh, you need some plans on what you're to do. And, uh, and I, I want to pray I know that I brought what God called me to bring this morning, but I also then know that there are perhaps some people here that, that, will, um, that need to say, I, I, I need prayer I need because I need his plans. And I want his plans, not mine. So if that's you, would you, just, would you raise your hand as well and just, just hold it up for a moment. Just raise your hand. Hold it up for just a moment. I just want to pray with you. A lot of hands up. And you need some direction from God. You need some plans. 
now would you do this? Um, it, whether you raised your hand or not, would you, would you stand, please, across the sanctuary? We're going, to, we're going to go into a time of prayer. I'm going to pray for you, and, uh, and then I'm going to open up these altars. And if you raised your hand, uh, you may want to come down and, and, and spend some additional time in prayer. Say, why is that important? Why can't I do it right here? Because um, when, we, when we do something physical, it is a step of faith to say, Lord, I'm very serious about this, and I want to come for prayer. And so we're going to open up these altars in a moment. You can come down, you can pray, and there will be people here to pray with you. The worship team is going to sing a song. They're going to lead us, rather, in a song that we sang earlier um, that really is about freedom. And so, so if that is you this morning, I want to pray with you now, and we're going to consider this our closing prayer. But then, while we're while we, immediately when we start singing, I want you to go ahead and start coming forward. And then, when you're done praying or when you're done singing, you can be dismissed. But we're going to turn this place into a place of prayer. We're going to turn this place into a place of 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 coming before the altar of God and saying, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to give me some plans. So. So I want you to do that. Now, also, no one here this morning raised their hand for salvation. Uh, so I, I, I'm trusting that you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. But I also know that there are some people that you know who don't yet have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that next Sunday morning, I'm going to be giving a similar invitation. And so I want you to bring somebody with you who needs to know Jesus. It's, it's not that hard. Um, I, I know it's, it's but, but they're going to hear about Jesus and a living relationship with him. So I want you to bring them with you next week. But we're going we're gonna to pray now. And so if that's you, go ahead and close your eyes. And then in just a moment, we're going to come as soon as we start singing. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that this, this young man, still, uh, still a young man, 30 years old, was set free. And, and Lord, what you did with him, you do today. You set us free, Lord. We, we were all in sin. We were all lost. But, but I thank you, Lord, that you brought us out of the pit. Hallelujah. But, Lord, you didn't, you didn't save us just to, to get us to heaven. You also save us to use us for your glory. You've given dreams. You've given visions to people. You have planted some things into their heart. And now, Lord, they need some direction. They need some plans. Uh, so, Lord, there, there are going to be some people that are going to come down to these altars. And I ask that you'll meet with them here. And that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak some things into their lives. And, and, and it may not be the whole plan, Lord, like, like you gave Joseph. And, and there were other plans, I'm sure, given along the way there with him. But Lord, it may be one thing that they're to do. It may be one directive that you give them. I pray that it would be very, very clear that when they leave this place today, they will know that they've heard from God and they have at least one clear objective, at least one clear part of the plan of what they're to do. I pray that, Lord. I pray that in response to their faith in coming down and, and, and kneeling at these altars and spending some time with you. So, Lord, I thank you. And, Lord, later as we go our way this day, I ask that you will bless these people and that you will guard them and keep them. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be your light in this world, that we will be a reflection of you and bringing people out of darkness into your marvelous light. So use us for your glory, Lord, as we now pray and as we seek you together. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning. Let's come together as we, uh, as we sing.